We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome everyone to Solo Ship Week Seven. Uh, JM, how how was your week? Uh, week was week was good. It was profitable in props, profitable in large field play, uh, unprofitable in in small field single entry stuff. But uh, in fact, I finished like out of the thirty three rosters I built, my main roster finished thirty second out of those thirty three. So it was one of those types of weeks. But uh, had some sweats in the slant, and uh, yeah, good weekend overall. How about you? Uh, kind of similar. It was a good week, actually. I picked up two FanDuel live final seats, but it was nice. both the two consecutive like Thursday night single game <laughs> qualifiers. Nice. Um, yeah. So one one was a five way tie, but I won the tiebreaker, which I've never done before. Um, oh, what's the tiebreaker on those? It, you just have to play the next slate. So we had okay. to play Thursday. Like it was a five way tie Thursday night, then we had to play Sunday night. So I won the tiebreaker Sunday night, Very and then nice. I won last night. Uh, but my main slate was terrible. Actually, I did the morning show on Rotor Grinders, like the thing before crunch time. And uh, that probably saved me a lot of money because like, I, I went in <laughs> a lot less, like a lot later than I, I would on a normal week. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, I think my my thesis for the for the week was just off. Like, I think my main pivot was Lamar Jackson and Saquon Barkley, and that, that just didn't hit. Um, and like the, the I think it was the Kansas City-Buffalo game. That everybody was on last week like, that did okay although it really seems like i think it was cincinnati that that really took down most of the tournaments um so yeah move on to another week it was a good week that i ended up going late on um and you know it was kind of fortunate to pick up the those like single game qualifiers can be pretty uh pretty happy i got a question for you obviously we're we typically focus on main slate but we're also talking single entry in that when you're down to five rosters and it's first place or nothing uh, who did you have in your captain spot for that? Who like how did you approach that? 
Uh, for the tiebreaker, so yeah, yeah, for the tiebreaker, it's it's interesting. Yeah, you're playing a FanDuel single game, uh, you know, five man qualifier. Basically, I did Jalen Hurts in the captain spot. Like I was not going to mess. Okay, okay. So this was the Philly. This is last weekend's game, Sunday night game. I got you. I got you. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I was not going to mess around. I I'm not going to deviate too far from the optimal lineup. Although I did. Uh, I did. I put together a bunch of like projections. Like I created a bunch of projections to see what I thought the kind of chalk lineup would be because I didn't want to go through another tiebreaker. So I made sure I didn't, wasn't playing the the absolute like one of the top four or five um, like kind of aggregate optimal lineups. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then just played a lineup that was like not too far off, but maybe had a little bit less ownership. I and it was only a one man pivot. I think I had Jake Elliott. I was basically I had Elliott and somebody else had Tony Pollard. And Elliot hit a 50 yard field goal at halftime, or like, you know, approaching the half. And I'm like, well, yeah. that's, that might be it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. That's so those five points are hard to make up if you got Pollard in that spot. Um, I like that. I, I like the new backdrop, by the way. I feel like we need to change the logo to a spaceship. I feel like we're in like a spaceship when I when I look at you. So <laughs> I think this might be like the Rotor Grinders baseball virtual background. <laughs> um, <but it laughs> well, I like, I like the spaceship feel. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> The solo spaceship. Uh, all right, so we got an interesting slate ahead of us this week. Uh, I was talking to Pete Overzet before uh, doing this show, and we were saying, like, at quarterback, there's the chalk, right? There's there's the Geno Smith. Oh, he's going to smash against uh, L.A. There's Joe Burrow. He did good last week, so he'll probably do good again this week. There's Lamar Jackson, where it's like, well, there's nobody to love this week until Lamar Jackson can hit. But I, I feel like in addition to the chalk not being that convincing in terms of the plays, the non-chalk is also not that convincing. Like there's nothing that really stands out where you're like, oh, everybody's overlooking this or everybody's on these this mediocre chalk, but they're missing this play over here. Like everything's kind of mediocre across the board. Is I know you're just kind of like you start your stuff on Friday, but is that kind of what you're seeing this week? It is. It, it's an interesting week. I think last week was the prototypical, there's one big game week, right? Like it was in right. Buffalo. And that's like a that's a kind of week that comes up maybe two or three times a season. Uh, this week's kind of blah. Like I'm, and it it's true. Like I'm actually feeling a little bit tired of football, which you probably don't want to hear. Like watching the show, uh, but you know, with basketball starting and and baseball playoffs going on, it, it's kind of a grind. And but I actually I like that feeling because I think other people are starting to feel that. I actually think in football you tend to see worse rosters as the season goes on. People get distracted and they're not not paying as much attention. And I, I actually like this kind of week. This week kind of feels like a, a bad chalk week. Like there's no screaming value. And so people, but people are going to go overweight kind of the optimal plays. So it's it's the perfect single entry week where if you're just pivoting in a couple of places to get away from that that optimal lineup, like I think that, that could be a very profitable and good week. Like I think the chalk is going to, kind of you know aggregate and consolidate around certain players um and we'll see like i, I was looking in earlier we had geno smith as the highest owned like quarterback i'm like that's crazy <laughs> like i i was doing the morning show a few weeks ago i think it was week two uh with like with eric bond for who's really sharp and uh and, but he was he was listing a, a list of like bad quarterbacks he's like yeah we don't want to play like the baker mayfields and um, you know, and, and Gino Smith said, I'm like, ah, Gino's, you know, Gino's not that bad. He, you know, it's 5,000 and, you know, I kind of ripping on Eric, but he, he's, he's pretty sharp. Uh, but I'm like, no, like Gino's not bad at, at 5,000, uh, at no ownership. 
at, at 5,600 and, and very highly owned, I don't, I don't know. Like he's not going to be my highest owned quarterback. I, and I think that's, um, I don't know if I'll even use him if I play cash games. It, it's funny how much the, like the sense of, of what's a sharp play and what's not a sharp play can shift in such a short span of time. Like I, my main build in week one was, uh, Justin Herbert, Austin Eckler, Josh Jacobs in that Chargers and Raiders game. And I had to spend a lot of time explaining why Josh Jacobs at 1% owned was a sharp play. And now fast forward to week seven, and it's like he's going to be 40% owned this week in the same role that he had in week one, right? Or it was, I think, week three that you told me you like woke up in the middle of the night and like started building some Geno rosters that week. And it was before Geno had done anything. And it's like, oh, really, Gino? But does he have any ceiling? And now, a few weeks later, everyone wants to play Gino. And what's interesting about that spot to me is Gino has played really well this year. We can't take that away from him. And this system fits him well. But also, he's been in the NFL for 10 years. He didn't suddenly become an elite quarterback. We've seen lots of hot stretches from backup caliber quarterbacks, and then they regress back to who we know that they are, right? And so to think that Gino is going to, I mean, there were a lot of times we didn't want to play Russell Wilson unless he was in just like the right spot, just given the way that Seattle calls games. And obviously this year it's like, yeah, but Russell Wilson sucks and he has sucked this year and Gino has looked good. But over a large enough sample size, Gino's not going to keep playing like this. And so when he's going to be highly owned, yeah, that's a place where you can move off of. I also think, you know, you brought up the, the fatigue that people feel at this point in the season. And I think that's a sharp point because Either people have played just NFL and then they spend so much time thinking about their roster every week or their rosters every week that if they haven't hit by six weeks, they're kind of worn down. They're like, man, when is this ever going to happen for me? Not realizing that the sample size is really tiny at only six weeks or they're playing all the sports, which means that they've had MLB like still going on and now NBA is starting up. And so it's like, oh, there's just so much going on. The NFL is, is like, not the main focus. And so, yeah, I do think that that's a sharp call that, uh, and, and you also said just doing a couple things different, right? Like my roster that I, I broke this down in the, uh, our inner circle podcast on Tuesday, but my roster, I had a roster that finished 41st in the slant this last week. I had a couple others that finished like in the top 1%. And those rosters were like Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs, Jamar Chase, who ended up being really popular. Like it was like six pieces of chalk, and then like Tyquan Thornton and like two other pieces that people weren't on. You know what I mean? And it's like, you don't need to just be, people think that you have to be like different everywhere, but you don't, right? Like this week you could play Josh Jacobs or you could play Damon Pierce or Kenneth Walker, one of these running backs. Like I have Ramondre on all my rosters last week, right? Like you can do that and just be different in like a couple spots. And if, if the chalk kind of hits, right? Like the good chalk hits, that's enough to still, get you up like that was a 26,000 entry tournament, right. And finish 41st place with like six pretty chalky pieces and just a few buttons pushed that are a little bit different than everybody else has. Yeah. I, I actually, I think it's interesting because we're week seven and it's, I mean, that's like a month and a half, uh, almost two months and people are starting to get their opinions formed and for the entire season. Right. So uh, guys that they haven't thought about in, in a month, you know, or six weeks, are totally off the radar and like Geno Smith, you know, has had a good run, but like I, you know, Geno wasn't terrible last season filling in. Right. Like, yeah. Like you said like, we've seen backup quarterbacks go on these runs like Taylor, Taylor Heineke, you know, speaking of a name that's, that's back, like he's had a, a decent run before, 
He's um, at stretches where you're like, oh, he's going to be their starter for years, you know, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, he's awful. <laughs> and yeah, he, he actually, you know, he picks up some rushing yards too. You know, he's got some rushing ability, kind of similar to Gino, but it's not a, a consistent, usable thing you can bank on every week. Um, but like, yeah, nobody's going to play like Taylor Heineke this week, right? And, right, and right, the, right. The difference between Taylor Heineke and Geno Smith isn't isn't that big. Not that I'm trying to like like pump up Taylor Heineke. I'm just saying like like people get this set in their minds after you know six weeks. It, well, yeah, Geno's got to be for real now, and and so we got to jam in the Geno Smith rosters. Uh, there and then like actually one player that I, I kind of wanted to bring up was Jonathan Taylor because um, he's probably going to be back this week. It's like the consensus number one overall pick in, in season long drafts. Um, I don't think he's, anybody's going to own him, and he's he's now cheaper than he was at the beginning of the season. Like, and he had a pretty good week one. Uh, so I, I kind of wanted to see what you think about like, Jonathan Taylor. Is that like a I don't know if it's a donkey play or if it's a sharp play. I guess it just depends on ownership. Yeah, no, I think one thing one thing that I I'm always trying to learn, right? And one thing that I think I've learned from spending time with you on this show is to be better at letting go of like value consciousness in terms of exactly what I'm spending on a player. And it's funny because I, I, I've said for years that salary only matters until games kick off. And as soon as games kick off, it no longer matters what you paid for a player. It only matters what that player does. And so people tend to think like, like this week, what we're seeing is Devontae Adams with low projected ownership, Jamar Chase with low projected ownership. And it's Friday, right? These ownership projections can change, but it's like, people see all these attractive wide receivers in the 6K to 7K range. And they're like, oh, well, I don't need to pay up. I can just take these guys. Or, and we'll see the same thing at running back, like Josh Jacobs, Damon Pierce, Brees Hall. Like these guys are definitely underpriced, but that means that people are going to stop there. And they're and then if they keep going up, they're like, oh, well, Saquon Barkley's here. And so why do I need to pay up to Jonathan Taylor? You know, last week it didn't work out, but last week on my main build, I had Cooper Cup in the game changer at 3% ownership. Because I took Cooper Cup for a little bit more in salary than Jamar Chase, who was like twenty six to thirty percent owned. Right? If we could, if we, if I could take that bet a hundred times out of a hundred, I will. Cooper Cup at three percent owned compared to Jamar Chase, at, because the salary doesn't matter if Chase puts up his twelve point game and Cup puts up his typical thirty five point. Right? Like that two K in salary or fifteen hundred, whatever it is, I, I can figure that out elsewhere. But it's the point differential that, that really ends up mattering. And yeah, I think Jonathan Taylor. It's tough because Josh Jacobs could put up 30, but also Jacobs has put up 30 back-to-back games. He put up 15 the game, 14.7 the game before that with five receptions, right? Like he could come out and put up 12 to 15 points. Jonathan Taylor could put up 35 to 40. And, and then people are like, why didn't I spend 2K extra for Jonathan Taylor? Yeah. And uh, well, I always say these guys don't know their DraftKings price when they step out on the field. Like they right. don't know yeah. if they're undervalued or overvalued. Um, and like Josh Jacobs, like the, the scoring is very – variant so like josh jacobs could go out and potentially rush for 120 yards and we could say that's a that's a great game great football game like raiders win but he doesn't get any receptions doesn't you know happens to not get the touchdowns uh and then that's suddenly a terrible score right he's now got 12 he's got 12 points and there's probably going to be running backs that that outscore him uh just because they're getting receptions or whatever the case may be like Brees hall um, you know, there's a guy be getting a bunch of receptions. I mean, any any of these guys, you know, Ezekiel Elliott could uh, take control of the backfield in, in Dallas, and they've got a, a pretty good matchup. Uh, so, yeah, like these guys don't know their DraftKings price. They're not necessarily going to go out uh, and know that they're the chalk on this DraftKings slate, right. this handle slate. Uh, so, like, I, I got to go get a bunch of receptions and, and touchdowns. Like, they're going to be happy if their team wins the game. 
Um, you know, and if and they might they might have a good football game that doesn't necessarily translate to like a winning yeah winning yeah yeah. And and when we look at touchdowns, are so unpredictable, and so anytime we can over like if if the field is overrating touchdown their ability to predict touchdown variance in one spot and underrating their ability to predict touchdown variance in another spot, and those two spots play off each other, we can gain such an edge. So, for example, Josh Jacobs is projected for currently over six times the ownership of Devontae Adams. But what happens if Josh Jacobs gets 15, 16 DraftKings points because he gets yards, and then the touchdowns go to Devontae Adams, right? Like, then Devontae Adams, your roster is benefiting from Devontae Adams getting touchdowns and directly hurting 40% of the field because Josh Jacobs is not getting those touchdowns. And I think in single entry, we've talked about this, right? Single entry, people tend to more closely embrace the fields, they, the, the plays they feel most comfortable with. And so Josh Jacobs at 35% owned in the Millie Maker is probably 45 or 50% owned in single entry. And so then Devontae Adams becomes even lower owned and becomes even more powerful. And so, uh, yeah, it's an interesting week. And, and we're spending a lot of time like talking about the ways Josh Jacobs could fail. To be clear, he's a sharp, sharp play on paper. There's a reason he's going to be 35 to 50% owned, but also that doesn't mean he's guaranteed to hit. Is he going to hit for six X or for 4X salary half the time, 50% of the time? Probably not. Like nobody goes for 24 points 50% of the time. And and so uh yeah, it's just an interesting spot to gain some leverage, or you can play Josh Jacobs and uh you know go different somewhere else. But yeah, I mean, I think this is a good slate to just look for ways to be a little bit different. I think ownership is going to be key to this slate. And I, I don't always like, sometimes I just play who I think is going to be the best plays. I don't really care, care about ownership last week was maybe a little bit that way with some of the backup running backs where it's like, well, they're stepping into a role that's just not the same as when they set the prices. So like, I, I'm not going to fight against that. So I'm going to play, I'm going to play, you know, some of these running backs, no matter what the projected ownership is this week. I think there's not a lot of situations like that. So I actually think ownership is very important and yeah, I, like that's a very key point that Josh Jacobs could probably see even higher ownership in the single entry format where a lot of people are just jamming in their cash teams. Like, and Devontae Adams is a great play. Now he, he's really expensive at 8,700. Like this, he got like 17 targets in week one. And that's, you know, that was six weeks ago. So it's not necessarily fresh on our minds. And we're thinking about, well, he just got like, just got three receptions and like shoved the cameraman. Uh, you know, so like, that's what's fresh on our minds. Well, yeah, we want to be thinking about the fact that like, well, I remember we're talking about in week two. We're saying well, 17 targets is a ton of targets. <laughs> yeah. We're like, you got to play them. You got to play them at high at 50% ownership. Right. Yeah. Like, you, I, I, was, I was even saying, like, yeah, that's the guy that maybe ownership is going to be, you know, not relevant for just because if he's going to get 17 targets every week uh, in a point per reception format, like, you got to play him, especially if he could still catch touchdowns. He's got five touchdowns on the season already. Uh, he's just not getting as many targets, but like, I think Darren Waller is going to be out. Darren Waller's going to be out, yeah, yeah. So that's gonna that's gonna be an impact. Um, so I I think it's a good week to to pay attention to ownership and and keep in mind kind of what you said that like yeah like guys at fifty percent ownership it's just unreasonable unless there's a, a mispricing due to their a change in their role since prices came out. Like yet Josh Jacobs right. is just going in for another game. He's been around the league for years. Um, like there's no reason to think he's like going to be a guaranteed 24 points or something that where you have to play him at, at 50% ownership. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I like the play, but I like other plays too, you know, and I'll have, I'll have some Jacobs this week, but I'll also definitely have a lot of rosters. that I'll be underweight the field on Jacobs and, and certainly in single entry 
Uh, I'll be looking to be underweight the field on Josh Jacobs and, and even look for ways to leverage that, whether that's Hunter Renfro or Devontae Adams are just saying, hey, what if the touchdowns come from a, a different source? Because with, with Hunter Renfro, you get probably even lower ownership. And, you know, if he gets the touchdowns, he's taken away from, from Jacobs. And, you know, you've got the lower price tag. So it doesn't like impact your build quite as much either. So, uh, yeah, another one that is interesting is CeeDee Lamb, right? I think that the perception is like Dak Prescott's back. They're going to throw the ball more. But really, they're not. And, and the matchup's great. I'm not against CeeDee Lamb this week. I think he can smash. But Mike McCarthy said last week, heading into week seven, no, heading into week six, he talked about uh, conversations he had with Kellen Moore in the offseason and basically told Kellen Moore, like, we want to adjust our play calling style to fit the fact that the identity of this team is its defense. So in other words, like, we don't want to be calling an offensive style that is putting extra pressure on our defense of like, you know, we're scoring quickly or we're, we're, you know, quick three and outs or whatever. So it's like, we're going to slow down the pace a little bit. We're going to run the ball more and we're going to let our defense win us games. And so that, that was the plan heading into the season before Dak was hurt. And that's going to continue to be the plan. And so, yeah, I mean, that's another one where it's like, everyone's going to flock to CD lamb. It's a play I like, but there are other guys in the six K wide receiver range. There are other guys cheaper that, yeah, just there are ways to be intelligently different this week, probably to, to use different, quarterback stacks than other people are using and then kind of pivot in one or two of these other super chalky places. Yeah. I was actually, I was doing the Sunday afternoon show for Rotor grinders that covers the Sunday night football. And I was talking about how I, I thought the Philly Dallas game, I thought Philly was just going to roll all over them. Um, and it, it ended up working out. I was like, I can't remember. I can't imagine why the spread is so close. Uh, and then I was thinking, well, Dallas must have a good defense. Like I, I don't really know anything about football. And I'm like for the, for the spread to be this close, like Dallas must have a really good defense. And I, I think that's the case. And I'm like watching the game, like, oh yeah, like they're like the Philadelphia is not going to like blow them out 40, you know, to, to seven or something like that. Like Dallas is just a team where that's not going to happen. But then maybe, then maybe, yeah, Dak's not going to be throwing the ball over all over the field. And I think CeeDee Lamb becomes popular because we think, well, well, Dak is back. So that's going to be great for CeeDee Lamb because I just can't think of another Dallas receiver. Like, I know they have like Michael Gallup. Is it Dalton Schultz? Is he? Is Dalton Schultz is healthy, supposedly, okay. this week. And yeah, yeah. So it's like, yeah, who, who else is he going to throw to? And it's against the Lions. And um, and we kind of, we perceive, even though Dallas did really well on defense last year, we still have this perception of them as, as like a shootout creator. But that hasn't really been the case since like the first two weeks of 2021. And ever since then, their defense has played really well and uh, kind of been part of the big reason why they've been winning games. And and, you know, the the Lions have to travel to Dallas, have to face this defense, and the Cowboys can run the ball on the Lions. Like, we all know that's not going to be a problem. So as long as they can kind of keep pounding Zeke and Pollard up there, it's going to be tough for Dak to just pile up volume. So, I mean, again, it's another spot I like, but when we look at it, it's, it's going to be popular for a reason, but then it becomes overpopular. And, and so there's certainly – that's like another place where – and at the same time, right, like – our perceptions of players dictate so much. Um, Amari Cooper, nobody ever wants to play Amari Cooper. And he's got double-digit targets in, what, uh, four out of six games. And he's producing like a wide receiver one. He's near the top of the league in team target market share, near the, near the top of the league in targets per game. And nobody wants to play him at 6,100. Or Alan Lazard, nobody wants to play Alan Lazard because he's 6,100 and Romeo Dobbs is 5K. But they're basically the same player in terms of their role, their targets, their like yards per route run, like all these things, they're kind of the same player, but Dobbs is like a little bit cheaper. So everyone wants to go there and Lazard's just kind of invisible to most people this week. 
Yeah, they're they're not in the huddle talking about their DraftKings prices. Like, well, you're you're a thousand dollars cheaper than me. You got to catch the touchdown, right? Like, no, there's like Aaron Rodgers is going to throw to whoever's open. And, you know, it's going to be different guys on different plays. And again, it could just as easily be Alan Lazard. It's a it's an event driven sport. It's an event driven scoring where a touchdown is so important. Like you're getting at least you know touchdown reception. You're getting six points plus the point for the reception plus whatever the yards. Uh, so that's that's going to make the difference between that eleven hundred dollars or a thousand dollars, right? Uh, and if if they're on the same out. team too, it's like it's that much. Like the the delta between the two scores is going to be even broader because if the one guy's hitting, the other guy like it's taking away points from the other guy. So it's like it's worth spending that extra eleven hundred in salary to get the you know ownership that's like one tenth of what you're going to get on the other guy or or one fifth or whatever it might end up being. Um, yeah, just a lot of interesting interesting spots this week. Um, it's another week where Mahomes and Kelsey are coming in super low, low predicted owned as well. I don't know if you've no- noticed that, but uh, tough matchup yeah. against the 49ers, but but we know good players can break tough matchups. Yeah, and like t- tough matchup, I mean, Kansas City is still probably going to score. Um, and we just saw Travis Kelsey get like four touchdowns. I was actually shocked by the, the Kelsey ownership. I put him on as my one of my top like underrated plays or whatever, you know, underrated plays. Because I think there's going to be some real value at tight end. And that gives us the opportunity to totally flip roster construction. Um, because there's some really good running backs that can get in the end zone that are at 5,000. Or, you know, between 5,000 and 6,000. And that gives you the money to then afford a tight end. Like play Travis Kelsey instead of it, like Greg Dolchich and uh, uh, Otten, right? Kate Otten. The, the yeah. Guy, I think um, Cameron breaks out. So I think those two are going to see a bunch of ownership. I think everyone's yeah, going to and Foster Moreau will probably get steamed up a little bit with Darren Waller out. You know what I said with Dolchich, and I like Dolchich as a player, but if that game had happened at, at 1 p.m. Eastern on a Sunday, where the game was only being lo- broadcast in the local like areas, this guy his price would have gone from 2,500 to 2,800, and zero people would have played him. It would have been like, oh, th- who's this guy? He saw three targets and caught a touchdown. Who cares? But it happened on a primetime game and it happened early in the game. So then everyone's like, oh, this guy. And now he's going to be literally 20% owned instead of 0% owned just because of when his game happened. And it's like, yeah, it's a fine play. If he were 0% owned, I might be considering him. I might be like, hey, you know who nobody's paying attention to is this guy. But at 20% owned, it's like, well, that's crazy. You know, like you can get up to Mark Andrews. You can get up to Travis Kelsey at lower ownership because of that. Yeah, I'm, I'm shocked by the the Andrews and Kelsey ownership. They're two of my favorite plays. I mean, I, I love playing Baltimore uh, just because like, you have Lamar Jackson and, and Mark Andrews, and that that makes up a game stack or a team stack right there. And it's two positions that are so hard to fill, and they can really put out you – know, they can be the top scorers at their position without their game going crazy. We saw that a little bit, not as much as I needed last week, you know, where, where Andrews got the touchdown. Um, but they just didn't – that, that game just wasn't high scoring enough. Um, but yeah, like I, I think we're going to see a, a very similar roster construction where people are putting in the value tight ends uh, and then they're, they're going to, uh, you know, play Josh Jacobs, um, you know, potentially like Geno Smith uh, and, and maybe like Joe Burrow. Um, yeah. And uh, I, I don't like, and Justin Herbert, I think, I think Justin Herbert will see some ownership as well. I guess we like Rota grinders. We've got Lamar Jackson as the highest owned quarterback. Now that's a change from earlier this morning. It, it's going to be interesting. I think there's some games that people aren't going to want to game stack that I'm going to find appealing. 
And I think that might be the, the thing that I kind of differentiate my rosters with this week is like, I, I don't think people are going to play like a Baltimore Cleveland game stack because they don't want to run it back with anyone from Cleveland. Um, I don't think anyone's going to want to play anybody from Green Bay because it's a low total. Uh, and they think Green Bay is going to romp, but like there's going to be someone that's interesting from that game. Like someone from Green Bay is going to score and they're all, they've all got pretty good prices. Like AJ Dillon is, is like dirt cheap. Uh, like, you know, you said like either Alan Lazard or Dobbs is, you know, could potentially hit. Uh, so yeah, it, it's an interesting week. I think my thing this week is going to be differentiating towards the games that people don't want to game stack uh, because the, and actually like Tampa Bay and Carolina is probably the prime example. Yeah, there's just there's not a game that is super attractive. And so on a week like that, it's like people kind of find the 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 spots that wouldn't draw ownership in other weeks end up being the best spots on this week. And so people go there, but it's still not a great spot. And so if you can say if you can recognize that and say, okay, well, let me just go to another if they're all not great spots, let me go to the not great spot that people aren't on as opposed to the not great spot that everybody's on speaking that green Bay Washington game. uh, Currently we have Brian Robinson projected at 0.5% ownership after, uh, after Ron Rivera, like talked him up for weeks and kept using him as like a, a crutch for why Washington wasn't playing well enough. It's like, well, Robinson's a big part of our plans. And then they forced 17 carries to him. And in spite of the fact, he didn't look that good in his first game. Like as long as that game's close with Taylor Heineke under center, Robinson's going to be getting touches. He could like, is he going to get catches? no, but he could have one catch and 20 carries and and hundred yards and two touchdowns at 5,500. And like literally nobody's on him because they're all looking in, in other places. We're kind of talking a little bit, I guess getting a little bit more into like slate. It, it's such an interesting slate this week that like, I feel like talking about this stuff on a single entry show still makes sense because it's like, you just got to find a couple spots on this slate to be really different, like radically different in single entry. And then you can play whatever other chalk you want to play, but um, but yeah, there's plenty of interesting places this week to be radically different. I think it's it's an interesting contrast to last week because I think last week we had a, a couple of running backs. I just it was three. I think it was like Eno Benjamin, Kenneth Walker, and Daryl Henderson who were seeing a lot of ownership. I think vaguely remember they're in the five thousand to, to six thousand or so range on DraftKings. And, and then Ramondre too was obviously yeah, like yes, yeah. uh, super sharp way to play it. And uh, so people were saying, and I, I was saying, like, I don't want to get away from the running backs. Like they're mispriced for their role. Like this week, they're, it's the same thing. We're, we're going to see outsized ownership on like Josh Jacobs, Kenneth Walker. Uh, but they're no longer really mispriced for their role. Like Kenneth, Kenneth Walker, I probably like a little bit more than Jacobs. Um, not that, like I don't, I, like, I generally like Josh Jacobs. I just don't want to play him at potentially like 40% ownership in single entry, like 50% ownership in single entry. Um, Kenneth Walker is a little bit cheaper, but I, he hasn't, I don't think he's like caught a lot of passes. And that's another situation where these running backs could put up 80 yards and say, well, I had a great day, but they're not, they're not putting up a lot of DraftKings points. And there's so many then cheaper running backs you can pivot to. Um, a guy like AJ Dillon, like you're, you're saying like Brian Robinson, um, like you can go a little bit less expensive. Like you can pivot from like Josh Jacobs to like Brees Hall. I think we'll still see some ownership, but he, I mean, he could, get a bunch of receptions and, you know, and get a really high DraftKings score in a game where he's not necessarily going crazy and the game's not necessarily going crazy. Uh, and then you're spending up a little bit more tight end and you're not getting like pigeonholed into the, the Dolchich, uh, Kate Otten, although I kind of like Kate Otten more than Dolchich. Um, but we'll see how the, the projections go. 
Yeah, and and then also at running back, uh, J.K. Dobbins is going to be out this week. So speaking of that Baltimore offense, you've got Kenyon Drake. I think he's like 5,100 and Justice Hill at 4,200. Nobody's going to want to play either of those guys. So certainly some places where we can, like, if you let go of the idea of having to play the cheap tight end, this kind of 6K range of running back, 6K range of wide receivers, and like the Geno Smith, well, now that's that's what everybody's pushed towards. So you just get on a very different build by being like, okay, yeah, that's sharp. I mean, those are my first practice builds Monday night, Tuesday night before I really got into the slate before ownership came out. That's what I was on, right? It was like, oh, well, this is how this slate shapes up nicely. I was on like Mark Andrews instead of the cheap tight ends, but it was like, here's these 6K running backs. Here's Geno. Here's these 6K wideouts. And then you realize, oh, everybody's going to do that. And it's not that much sharper than going this other direction that, that just has a much clearer path to first place. Yeah. And I always like Lamar Jackson. And now the running back is out for Baltimore. Um, and, you know, and you can have the opportunity to maybe pair Lamar with a, with a much cheaper running back who would actually catch passes. Um, so that's probably something I'm going to look into. Uh, just because yeah, I like Drake, that. Yeah. Kenny Drake tends to cast catch passes, whereas um, Dobbins tend, tended not to. So I, I don't. I generally don't want to play Dobbins with Lamar Jackson, but like Lamar Jackson and Kenny and Drake, especially if Drake is is priced as a as a backup running back, is something I'm very interested in. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. Real quick, I wanted to get your thoughts on the the Tampa Bay game. I I thought it was an interesting write up in one week season because it had you know the different ways the game could could end up, um, and I'm kind of leaning towards the idea that. Carolina could be in total chaos. I think the write-up was before the Christian McCaffrey trade. Yeah, they were talking about how they were totally imploding. But I mean, they they had their receiver, one of their main receivers, like storm off the field, like get like into the locker room, then traded. Then the coach got fired. Then the star running back gets traded. Uh, that's just since last Sunday, <laughs> and now they're facing Tom Brady. And I, and Brady, you know, and Tampa Bay just lost against the Steelers. Like this might be the ultimate get right spot. Um, and I'm, I'm heavily interested in being over the field in, in Tampa Bay players this week. Yeah. My main, my main build has had the Tampa overstack back-to-back weeks. So I've, I've been uh, drowning with that one so far, but it's still like in the mix for me yet again, just because the ceiling's so high for that offense, like they can score 40 points and they will score 40 points if they can. And what I mean by that is they're not a team that's going to like, Oh, we're up in the third quarter, right? Like if the Bengals are up in the third quarter by two scores, Zach Taylor is going to completely change the way he's calling the game. And he's going to be like, all right, let's protect this lead and manage our way to the win. If the Bucks are up by two scores in the second quarter, they're going to be like, all right, let's score another touchdown. Let's keep attacking. Let's keep throwing downfield. And so that recognizing that it's like, they literally don't need Carolina to do anything. If Carolina sucks on offense, which they probably will, that's even better for Tampa because that's just more time with the ball and more opportunities to try to score. Like, would it shock us if they win that game 40 to six? It, it really shouldn't. And that's kind of what I was waiting for with the Pittsburgh game, uh, whatever it was two weeks ago, whoever Tampa was playing. But yeah, there's going to be one of these weeks where Tampa just smashes Brady throws four or five touchdown passes. Uh, and just the overstack of that offense ends up being the way to, the way to go. And I think that this week we'll get lower ownership on that overstack than we did the last two weeks. Now, I'm, I'm fully with you on that one. I think it's a sharp way to go. Yeah, and you've you've talked in the past about how Brady will use the regular season to get ready for the playoffs. Like if if something it feels like something is not going right with the team in the regular season, he'll work on it. If the team's up by a, a bunch of points, right, he'll keep passing. 
And this seems like a week where you've had like Mike Evans complaining. Um, you've had, you know, they've got a new tight end. They're trying to integrate into the offense. Like he might just keep passing the ball and, and use this even yeah, if they're up 30, nothing, which is totally you know, within the realm of possibility because Carolina might really be imploding uh, that they're going to use this to just like, just make everybody happy. Right. Like get everybody integrated into the offense um, and they just, yeah, keep the, keep the foot on the pedal. Um, and I, this Carolina thing, I mean, like I, you imagine like at your job or, or whatever, right. Like oh, you go to God, the, office, yeah. the, the, the coach is fired, you know, the, the manager is fired. Um, all the other, yeah, everybody else is leaving. Like you're going to tell yourself you're still going to, you know, show up to work and, 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 you know, be a professional. But like, yeah, if things start to go south, like you might see this team, uh, you know, not able to keep up with the, with Tampa Bay at all. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, we, we were, people are always like, oh, I mean, if, if you can't get up for a game and you're a professional athlete, then that's a problem. But it's like, these are still humans and this is a hard job. And you got to come in every day for the next three months, two and a half months, knowing you have no shot at winning, that your front office is thrown in the towel, has traded away your franchise cornerstone, and, and you're going to have a new coach next year, and half of you won't be on this team anymore, and like all you're doing is, is putting game on tape for another team to hopefully want to pick you up, right? Like, yeah, that would be hard to come out and have the same level of like commitment and energy and the study habits and, and like being as deeply prepared for the game as you can possibly be that's going to start fading. And, you know, one of the things we see too, and I know we're going over today a little bit, but the teams get better throughout the season, right? Like right now it's like, Oh, Seattle defense is awful. Oh, they had a fluky good game against Arizona, but Seattle's defense actually played really well against new Orleans outside of those wildcat plays. So they've had two straight weeks where their defense has played really well, where they did great against new Orleans and then just got burned on like these five, six wildcat plays with Taysom Hill played really well against Arizona, like teams keep getting better. And we just assume that they're going to be the same team they were in week two or three. So we always want to watch for those teams that aren't going to keep getting better because then their opponent keeps getting better and they don't. So like those Jacksonville years where they just, the team wouldn't try down the stretch, that first blow up Derrick Henry game, there was like guys were like not trying to tackle him. You know, the first time you put up like 50, 50 DraftKings points. It was like Jacksonville players were literally not even attempting to tackle him. And, and like, we're going to start seeing out Carolina where the effort's just not there. And this is a team that's not getting better. That's probably even getting worse while other teams in the league are all getting better. So uh, yeah, that's an interesting way to look at that spot. And, um, and yeah, maybe, maybe it makes you feel a little bit better about going to the well a third time with that uh, Brady overstack this week. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, he's he's obviously you know, he's a talented player, right? So, I, and I, I think he's going to be able to take advantage of a, of a defense that um, like these players are going to tell themselves they're going to be professional and keep keep trying. But I think like something's going to go wrong. There's going to be some miscommunication because um, it's going to be hard to to stay that focused uh, yep. when when you've got so much chaos going on around you. And yeah, suddenly you, suddenly you're playing to put like good film on on tape, uh, and you're not necessarily playing as a as a cohesive unit. Um, so that's it's definitely going to be a spot to watch as we go you know, throughout. I mean, it's only week seven, so we got we got eleven more weeks. Yeah, <laughs> and we'll see we'll see what happens with Carolina. Uh, but yeah, that that'll just about do it. Any any final thoughts on the week? No, no. Uh, fun to hang out as always. I'll see you guys on here next week. See you at the top of the leaderboards this weekend. Oh, so yeah, it's uh, Solo Ship Week Seven. We'll see you guys next week.